granddad business with Aaron Caliber. That's my dad. Hello. Underpants? That is hilarious. She should you. Great interview. This podcast while well, my daddy will go into a deep depression. <laughs> Welcome to Grown Dad Business. This is Aaron Kleiber. Today, we're going to do part two with my friend Harlan Williams. And um, before we do that, before I really get into that, check out my sponsor, goodsandevil.com. Awesome, cool, nerd, and movie shirts. Also, some shirts for vegans, And if you're into that kind of thing. I always say that, if you're into that kind of thing. I think it's cool. Follow your heart. I like meat, but... My friend uh, Dan at goodsandevil.com is an amazing designer and uh, some of my favorite horror shirts of all time. Check out goodsandevil.com. And uh, if you want to see me live, I have a one-night-only tour. I talked a lot about it on uh, episode, the first part of the with Harlan Williams. So I don't know why you would start at part two. But if you have started at part two, go back to part one, the last episode, and listen to part one with Harlan Williams, uh, where we talk about some funny things. Um but part two with Harlan Williams, uh, check out harlanwilliams.com. You could see uh, him on tour. I work with him a lot. Uh, we have a lot of fun, but uh, we have some more fun on part two. We really just, uh, well, we do a little bird calling. Uh, it's one of our passions, uh, a little bit of bird calling. But uh, really part two is about Harlan's story of him getting into stand-up and getting into acting and it's really fascinating and really uh, an honor and privilege to have Harland on because Harland just does not do a lot of podcasts. And he's my friend, and I appreciate him. Truly one of the kindest people I've ever met in entertainment. So enjoy my friend Harlan Williams. Uh, well, it started at a very young age. I, I thought... I knew I was going to be in the entertainment industry. I just had yeah. like this divine message, like it was yeah. wired in me already. It was, it was. I I knew, and I didn't know how, but I I knew I was going to be in in the entertainment industry. I used to, I remember, I used to skip high school, like grade nine and ten, oh, for sure. Yeah. And I'd go downtown by myself. I'd go like you know one o'clock in the afternoon, and I'd I'd go watch movies, and you know there'd be no one in the theater. There'd be like twelve people. And I, I was a bit mystified because I'd be watching movies and I'd be sitting there alone and I, I kind of confused. I'd go, in my head, I'd go, I'm going to be up there one day. Huh. I'm going to be on that screen. And I didn't know why or how I was thinking that, but I just, yeah. I knew. And and sure enough, it all just happened. So I, that's what I mean. It was just kind of in me when I was born, I guess. So uh, when did you start stand-up? When did you get on stage? I Once I got out it? of college, I did it about, about probably a, a year after I got out of college. Yeah. But I, you were still goofy in college. You just never really did, oh, yeah. did like a, a thing, like not sketch or improv or stand-up. No, I didn't do anything, and I, I, I'd never done stand-up. You were just never, a funny dude. I was just a funny guy, and I, you know, really, I, I knew I wanted to be in the entertainment industry, and yeah. I thought, what can I do with my life that's funny? I could travel the world. I could make lots of money. I could probably meet beautiful girls. I can go from stand-up 
and it can segue into acting and voice sure. work and whatever. And I just, I just thought, well, my knack is making people laugh. So yeah. I thought stand-up comedy was that. Do you hear that bird? That bird is amazing. Look at that. It's like a little. I'm going to call him back. Hang on. Oh, now you don't want to talk to me. He thinks he found a mate. Oh, under, what if he comes down and flocks me? What if he comes down and gets you pregnant? Ooh. You might have kids after all. I might lay an egg tonight. Imagine that. He comes down and flocks me real hard, and I go lay an egg. <laughs> this always scares him away. Ah! Because nope. crows. All birds are beautiful, but then you get crows who sound like they need a tracheotomy or yeah, something. Yeah, they sound disgusting. Yeah. It's a beautiful little bird. I think it's a finch. Yeah. Is it? I think so. I can't see its head. I can see its torso. You may be right. Man, it's going wild up Let there. Let me try this. That shot him no, off. Okay. Like he stopped. Like he stopped right there. <laughs> throw, throw my credit card at him like a ninja star. <laughs> oh, now there's two. Wait a minute. I attract. Yeah, they are finches. Those are finches right there. Now they're ready to meet somebody. Jeez, I did the. And now there's another one. He called in for backup. I think I, we got to give him privacy. It's beautiful. It's red. It's like a yeah. red crested finch. I don't know what 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 the technical name is, but I'm going to call that guy Big Red. I like it. Yeah. Uh. Yes, I'm here. So birds. Yes. Um, <laughs> no. So when when did you get on stage for the first time? First time was I think it was the early '80s, like '80. I want to say between '82 and '84, somewhere yeah. in there. Do you remember how that happened? Oh yeah, man! It was, it was in Toronto, mm-hmm. and it was before the big comedy boom. Sure, it was the '80s, and it was Canada had two comedy clubs in it: one in Toronto, and one in uh, British Columbia on the west coast in Vancouver. That's it. That was it. Like I got in when I decided to make the wow. jump into stand-up comedy. In my head, I was like, "This is going to be the most unique, weird." career choice like when people ask me what i do and i say stand up they're going to be like mystified because at this yeah. time you know there was like there was like 20 comedians there was rodney dangerfield right. don rickles george carlin like yeah. you know it wasn't a common thing like right. i thought this would be a very peculiar career and the first 2 years i was in it it kind of was and then all of a sudden boom it blew up, and, and suddenly everyone in the world, you'd talk to them. You know, you'd go get a coffee, and, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm going to be a comic. Oh, yeah, you're right. By 85, 86. Everyone was doing it. Eddie Murphy, a lot of other comics. Yeah. Roseanne, really just. And then there was comedy clubs everywhere. There was comedy clubs. They blew up everywhere. Right. It was crazy. But when I did my first night, this will date me a lot, but it was back in the day when Holmes had one phone hanging in the kitchen, and it was a rotary phone. Sure. And we had to dial the one club in Toronto on yeah. Monday morning at 11 o'clock, <laughs> and the first 15 people that got through got to do five minutes on amateur night. And in those days, there was no redial button. Wow. So I would call. It would be me, 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 me. You know, the busy signal, yeah. which a lot of your listeners won't even know what that is, which is scary. <laughs> no, we got some grown-ups. Okay. And then I would have to hang up and redial all 11 numbers all over again. Me, me, me. And, I, you know, my finger would be almost bleeding by the time. 
and I never got through for like the first six weeks. Really? And then I think the seventh week, all of a sudden, hello, yuck yucks, and my blood froze. Like I was just like, I was petrified. I almost couldn't talk. And I'm like, uh, yes, uh, I'd like to do your amateur night. Okay, what's your name? Okay, be here at uh, 8 o'clock. Yep, thanks, bye. And I, I got through. Yeah. And I was petrified. That's your man. first time. That was my first time, and I was terrified. So I go down, and, you know, they just kind of randomly put a list together. Yeah. And they put me on first, right after the MC, who was a seasoned pro. Sure. And, of course, I got, I, I got selected to go on first, which I didn't want to do because I wanted to kind of see someone else warm up the room, and right. I, wanted, I wanted to see what other guys were doing. And... So it you, was terrifying. But you, but you never even got a chance to go see like stand up comedy like at the club. I did. I, I actually had seen it. I actually went down to New York. Uh, I went down to New York for a little visit, and I went into uh, the Improv in New York. Yeah. And uh, and I saw I saw all these people. I saw uh, Colin Quinn and wow, yeah, a bunch of people that I, I didn't really knew know anything about stand up, right. but I remembered them because it was my first time. Right. Um, and then, and then I would, I went down and I think I watched two shows at this Yuck Yucks club in Toronto just to see what I was getting into. Right. It might've only been one, but I just thought I better go see how it works. And that was it. I didn't do any research. I just, I just, like I said, I was like, I think I know what funny is. I think (laughs) I know how to write and tell jokes. I think I know how to perform because to me, stand up is more than just telling jokes. It's also a performance. Right. So and so I walked out terrified, and I did it. And how was your first set? It was actually really good. Yeah, I was. I was. I was really scared, but at the same time, I was also kind of in ecstasy. Sure. It reminds me of a time I was swimming in Australia once, on the Great Barrier Reef, and I went out snorkeling with this this boat. And they said, "Look, don't swim too far away from the boat because there's sharks." Mm-hmm. And of course, I ignored that, and I went way off into the reef. And I was kind of looking in the water, and, you know, the water kind of fades. It goes from turquoise, and then the light fades, and it goes to black. And all of a sudden, out of the blackness, this big, like, nine-foot shark just meandered. It almost like was like a movie fading. Yeah. And it just was coming right at me, probably about 12, 15 feet below me. And I just froze. I froze on the water, and I went, oh, my God, I'm terrified. But I was also at the exact moment going, Oh my God, this is so exciting. It's a shark. Yeah. It could kill me, but yet I'm here with a shark. Like, <laughs> who doesn't love a shark? And that's what going out on stage was like to me. It was like, sure. it was terrifying, but so exhilarating in the same moment. And and that's kind of the thrill that I love about stand up. I do too. I, yeah. I mean, doing years of improv and sketch. And when once I did stand up, I'm like, oh, this is just me. Yeah. This is terrifying and exhilarating. Yeah. Right? It is. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So so you started doing stand-up. Was it yeah. a pretty easy, I mean, well, was it a good transition for you? Yuck, yuck, start hiring you? When did you start actually, like, working? It went great. I mean, the, the first show was good. The second show was not as good. And I went, uh-oh. But then I yeah. said, no, I got to keep doing this. Right. And then the third show was good. The fourth show was, you know. So most of them were good. And within about... Within about four months, the club was saying, you know what, you don't have to call in anymore on Mondays. You're, ju- you're just in. Like, nice. start coming down every Monday night. 
And then they had like kind of a promotion thing. Like if you if you did good on the amateur night, you got promoted to what they called regular nights. Yeah. And you went from doing five minutes to 15. Nice. And so I was the second guy out of our group to be promoted. And then within two years, I was headlining. It's great. I was a head, but but I was very aggressive because I knew what I wanted. Sure. And I I literally went into the guy who ran the whole thing, a guy named Mark Breslin, great guy. He 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 was the king of comedy in Canada. He ran yeah. the show, and I just I I was very bold, and I went into. I said, Mark, can I come in for a meeting? And he goes, Sure. And I I remember sitting down in his office. I said, Mark, I love you for giving me a stage, yeah, a microphone, an audience, and I said. From here on in, Mark, I just want a headline. Yeah. I said, I, I, I don't want to open anymore. I don't want a middle. I said, I, I don't want to sound cocky, but I'm doing better than the guys I'm, I'm, I'm opening for. And I said, from this day forward, I'm just going to headline or, or I'm not going up. And he just looked. He almost, when I looked back, I, was, I didn't even realize I was being cocky. I was just following my spirit. Right, yeah. But I remember him looking at me, and he was just silent for a minute, and he, he just went, okay. And that was it. From that moment on, I was Every like, comedian hearing that right now is going, bullshit! No, that's for real. That's 100%. No, we believe you, but yep. it's like, you know, you're well, like... Well, I just knew I, I was convicted. I, I, I had a conviction, and even when I started in Toronto... I said to myself, this will be great to get started in Toronto. Yeah. But remember what I told you about going to the movie theaters? Sure. I said, this is just to get me started. Right. I, I was already picturing myself in front of the Grauman's Chinese Theater in, right. in, in Hollywood. Right. It was already, it was preordained for me. That, and in a way, it was great because I never worried. I was never insecure. I never had to worry about being not confident because right. in my head it was it was predestined. I knew yeah. I told my friends in college at animation school, I said to them, and I this is before I'd even decided about stand up. Right. I said, guys, I don't know why. I don't know how. I said, I'm gonna be on David Letterman one day. And they just looked, they were like, What are you talking about? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I said, I know I'm gonna be on David Letterman. They go, What? And I said, and when I do it, I'm gonna put peanut butter on my shoes. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Ten years later, I was on Letterman. I put peanut butter on my shoes, the very first Letterman I ever did. And I remember all those guys from college calling me and going, oh, my God, you did it. That's insane. You put the peanut butter on your shoes. And, and it, it's just, it's, it's been, that's been my whole life. I've, I've, heard, I've heard that story, but explain yeah. the peanut butter on the shoes. Well, part of it was I just said it to those guys so right. I knew they'd always remember because who says that, right? right? But I also knew if I ever did Letterman, I wanted it to be – I knew I wanted it to be silly. But not I, Crispin I Glover silly. Different. No, I wanted it to be my version of silly. And I thought I think it would be funny in my head to put peanut butter all over my shoes and walk out on stage and do stand-up. And I did it. And, uh, and that, was, that was the beginning of that. So you, how long were you doing stand-up before you got on television? Uh, I was doing stand-up, I think about seven, eight years. But remember, that was all up in Canada. Right. So, it, uh, I mean, to be... Well, that- actually, I shouldn't say that. It was about five years because I did. I got invited to Just for Laughs really quickly, too. Right. Like, that happened real quick for me. And so, by default, they, they put all their comics that make it to the gala showcase... 
they, they get on the TV show. So I got on TV, but not not kind like of American the TV. National like Letterman was your first time. Letterman Letterman was my first big like talk show. And how does I mean this was what like uh, mid eighties, late eighties? Yeah. Now, how does a comedian from Toronto get on Letterman at that time? It was bizarre, dude. I, I mean, because even still then, there was not a lot of comedians still. Oh, I know. I mean, it was booming. I mean, yeah. Tim Allen was around, Drew Carey. Yeah. You know, Roseanne was still popping pretty hard, Ellen. Yeah. You know, but that's, uh, that's, I mean, I think it's so much harder then than it is now. Well, it was crazy because, you know, a lot of times nowadays guys get on because their agents make a call yeah. or they've got a connection. Right, or, right. But back when I did it, man, you had to do it the, the hard way. You had to get out in front of the booker. Right. Um, you know, there was only Letterman and The Tonight Show. That was it. Yeah. And, and you had to get out in front of those guys and blow the roof off. Right. And so I had moved to Hollywood and I had started making. After Letterman? No, no, this was this was after before. JFL, after Just for this Laughs. This was after Just for Laughs. Gotcha. Yeah. So I moved to Hollywood and I started doing regular spots at the Hollywood clubs, the Laugh Factory, the right. improv, all that. And I started getting noticed. Like a lot of you know, a lot of people noticed me. So really I, the old fashioned way. Yeah, and I, I ended up getting booked on Conan and I get, got booked on all the it, it's very bizarre. My first night on stage in Hollywood, I walked off stage and got offered two national TV shows. I got I got offered comedy on the road on A and E, and uh, comic strip live on Fox, and wow. I just went, "Wow!" This six years in Canada with nothing, you know, six minutes in Hollywood, and so it just went from there. That's crazy. And so people started really paying attention to me, and then Letterman's guys came to town, and I they had a huge showcase yeah. at the Laugh Factory. Chris Rock, if you can believe it, had to audition. Damon Waynes, Larry Miller. These are just some of the names on the showcase I was right. on. I can't remember the other guys, but right. all of them were that level. I was the new kid in town, and I got put on right at the end. I was the last guy to wow. go up. I think there was 12 or 15 of us. Wow. And I just sat at the back of the room watching these guys, like these destroy. These guys that shouldn't even be auditioning. They're, yeah. they're celebrities. They're huge comedy names. Right. And and to be honest, they didn't destroy as much as I thought because I could oh. see in their face that they were so aware that they were auditioning for the Letterman guy. I could sense right. that trepidation a little bit. You, you know, you can feel sure, yeah. on a comedian if they're nervous or if they're sure, confident. Yeah. Yeah. And I could uh, most of them, even though they had great sets and they're brilliant comedians, I could I could feel, I could taste a little bit of that. Right. You know, I'm I'm on for the yeah. guy. And and I went, man, I'm a nobody. Nobody from Letterman knows my name. <laughs> um I'm about to go on last after fifteen triple right. A power slammers. I can see they're all a little bit edgy and nervous. I said, I'm just gonna go up and walk through this like I'm having the time of my life. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm just gonna go up and just I'm going to throw it to the crowd. I'm going to throw it to the wind. I'm going to do my act and just have fucking fun. Pardon my French. That's okay. So I went up there like I didn't have a care in the world, dude. And That, I, wasn't, that wasn't Eddie Brill then, was it? No. No, this no. was way before Eddie Brill. By the Brill. way, I this forgot to even... This uh, was Dan... Uh, Dan... I forget his last name. It'll come to me, but... 
But anyways, I went up and blew the roof. It was one of the best sets I've ever had. It wow. just and I walked off stage. They went, "You're on Letterman." Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. And and just being in that, I'm in that world right now yeah. of just trying to do those things. Yeah. And I've found more success auditions. You just don't care. Yeah, you just not. Go, you know what I mean? When when you say don't care, it's not that you don't yeah. care. It's mean. What I learned is you do it for yourself. Just you go in and, go and I, I go into my spirit and I go, Harland, what brought you here? It's that spirit that you know you f- you were funny or you believe you're funny right. at the very least. Just latch on to your spirit yeah. and, and let your spirit come out on that stage yeah. and let it wash over people. And it did. And it did at the right moment. And I just had such a powerful set. And to have such a strong set after all those amazing people, like Mm. I didn't think there'd be laughs left in the room. I thought it'd be like a sponge that was squeezed dry. But but the the laughs came out for me. And it was just uproarious. And and it it just sealed the deal. And I was like so grateful and excited. And wow, it was amazing. It was just amazing. No, I was just, this is such a weird aside, but last night I was talking to Eddie Brill and he said hello. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's good. why I yeah. asked. I, I know he was there for a while. So yeah, that was he probably... ended up when I, when, he wasn't there when I did my first, it was right. Zoe Friedman when I yeah. did my first one. And I'll never forget the look on her face when she saw me walk out of the elevator with peanut butter on my shoes. <laughs> she just about fainted. But then I went on to do Letterman, I think, I think seven or eight times, yeah. and, and, and then Eddie Brill came in around yeah, the yeah, middle yeah. of that. So tell him I said hello back. He just did this podcast. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give, him, give him my love, Good man. dude. Yeah. Wow. So then, like, so then you're doing stand-up. Did you start touring immediately? or No. No, I didn't work? want to tour. I, 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 I refused to tour. I remember there were agents in Hollywood calling me up. They wanted me to join their agencies like... Uh, uh, I forget the like n- as a road manager and get you on the road. Yeah, as a, as a as a in Hollywood they have actually like specific uh, Irvin Arthur for example yeah. back and great wonderful guy he handled all the top like Ellen DeGeneres and yeah. Jay Leno and all these and these guys were begging me to join their agency and I was just like again I was a bit naive I I think yeah. my naivety like kind of got me through all this because I, I just had a kind of this like, oh, no, thank you. Right. You know, just, no, I'm good. Like, I didn't even think it. And I but just like, you're in L.A. Were you making money? No, I was starting to do, I, 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 I was, I, I had my conviction. I said, I'm in L.A. What, why am I going to go on the road? I, in my head, I was like, how am I going to get a sitcom? Oh, right, everything's and happening here. And how am I going to do movies if I'm not here? So I just I just decided I'm not going to take gigs and yeah. I'm not going to and so I was turning down these these great people these huge agents and I, I didn't even <laughs> realize it and uh, and so I stayed in town and I and and the movies and the sitcoms and all that stuff started happening. When did that start happening? Like, what was the first thing you ever got? Acting wise, acting wise, I did. Ellen had a show called before it was Ellen. She had a sitcom called These Friends of Mine. Yeah, I've heard of that. And that they 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 it was the same show as Ellen, but then they renamed it because Friends came out, and I think it was too close. It had right. the word Friends. So my first acting gig, I got a guest starring role. Yeah. On These Friends of Mine, and it was me and Molly Shannon were the two guest stars that wow. week. So that was my very first. Uh, TV acting gig, and my next TV acting gig, I got my own sitcom with Jason Bateman called Simon, and I played Simon. 
Yeah, I remember hearing so about that. I, I made a big leap from from guest starring to my own sitcom. You got to YouTube that. Uh, tell people what Simon was about. Simon was basically about a, I played kind of a kind of a Forrest Gumpy type yeah. of guy who worked at a at a vintage TV <laughs> yeah. station like TV Land or whatever. I watched that years ago on YouTube. Yeah, and 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 I was kind of just this guy kind of like my life I just kind of stumble into good things. Yeah. And Jason Bateman played my brother who was kind of this guy that was always kind of Pressing the pit in that pavement and and trying right. to get a leg up and Jason trying to Bateman character trying to do yeah. all the things you do to get ahead in life and and he couldn't get anywhere yeah. and I was this goofy brother who just by by goofy luck just kept climbing stumbling upwards wow and so he played my brother and I played Simon and we did it we did a full season of that and it was a it was a blast it was really fun. So what year was Simon? Simon was, I think it was 90, it was in the early 90s, I believe. Yeah. 92 or 93, maybe. And then, uh, I mean, what was your first movie role? Dumb and Dumber. That was it. That was that it. That was 90, yeah. probably filmed that in 93. Yeah, yeah. It came out in 94, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then, well, the rest is, I mean, you know, we're gonna, we don't have to go through everything single project yeah no whatever you want this is your That's crazy this is your podcast not mine so so when you were acting and stuff when did you finally go on stand-up tour oh i was in uh, i was in houston which is where we are now i know that's crazy by the way but i had been uh, given my own movie to star in by disney called rocket man yes and we shot it in houston and and I was living here. They got me this beautiful house in the real rich neighborhood, and they got me a Land Rover and a <laughs> cell phone. I was, it was a real star treatment. Boy, it was nice. I yeah. loved it. And uh, and and we were here for like four months shooting Rocket Man because it was a it was a really big sure. big budget movie. I think the budget was about thirty five forty million on that movie. And uh, and so I, I was missing doing my stand up. Yeah, and so I, I found out where the local comedy club in in Houston was. It's called the Laugh Stop, and it wasn't that far from the house that they gave me. It was only about four miles away. Right. So I went over there and just asked the the owner. I said, "Can I get up and do like a guest spot just to keep my chops?" And he's yeah. like, "Are you kidding?" Like, and I was like, "Oh, this guy knows me." And it, yeah, it was very weird. I kind of didn't realize that I was kind of starting to be somebody well, in, sure. in that world. I, again, I was naive to well, it. Well, because Rocket Man was ninety six, ninety five. Yeah, but I'd already done Dumb and Dumber, but, uh, and, Dumb and, and, Dumber. And, and Down Periscope and a few right. other than I. And so, anyways, he said, "Oh yeah, come on up." And then, so I did that, and then I guess about half a year later, or maybe three, four months later, he uh, he had called my my agent agents and right. said, "Yeah, we'd like to bring Harlan in for three days for eighteen thousand dollars." And I went, "Excuse me, <laughs> what, you're still naive about what, what, what did he? He said what now? Eighteen <laughs> hundred? No, eighteen thousand dollars?" And I was like. You know that sounds really nice for yeah. three days, and so and so it was. And like so you that, really didn't realize that time. Like I could make pretty decent money. I didn't realize, up. and and then once I did that club, the floodgates opened. Every club in the country was just like yeah. they were lining up. They like I I, I was turning down gigs all over the place. Uh, I mean, I to this day I still am. It's 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 yeah. just it it's. You can't, I, I don't want to be on the road every weekend, you know. Right. But, but so I pick my places uh, to go sure. every year. But but that's what started it, and so uh, you know 
that that was my first road gig in the U.S. and I just kind of did it on a fluke, you know. Yeah, so, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, and, and the guy Mark Babbitt who ran the Laugh Stop, super nice guy, and he kind of he was kind of the guy he mentored me and kind of I'll ne- I'll never forget. I didn't even know how it worked because right. in Canada. When we did stand-up, there was no media. There was no radio. There, right. You would go and you'd wake up and go get some lunch and go to the club at night. Right. But in the States, like it's what a I whole do. different <laughs> business. You you wake up and you do five radio stations and two TV stations. Then you do right. five more the next day. So Babbitt brought me into the laugh stop and he picked me up at the airport and he goes, Okay, so in the morning I'll pick you up at uh, 6 a.m. We're going to do five radio stations. And I swear to God, I went... Yeah, I don't know. I'll see if I'm how tired I am. And he was like, "What?" And I said, "Yeah, I'll probably sleep in, but thank you." And he's like, "Oh, um, okay." Like I, I think he wasn't <laughs> sure if I. But again, I was naive. That's crazy. And sure enough, I when I went to bed that night, I unplugged my phones. I was like, "Yeah, I don't want to get up at six o'clock." And I, I remember someone knocking on my door, and I remember, like, rolling over and putting a pillow over my head. And, and when he came to pick me up that night, he goes, what happened to you? I said, oh, yeah, I was tired. I didn't want to get up at 6 o'clock. I have a show to do tonight. He, and he was so, like, confused. And, and I didn't hear about it all till I got back home, and my agent went, did you not go to any press? And I go, no, I was sleepy. And and it was just, and I realized that that he was like freaking out. He's like, "How is this guy not?" And it was just, I had no idea, dude. It was yeah. I mean, because you have to do the press to get people to the club. But the good news is, we still got people out at the club. But but it was that's how naive I was about the whole business side of it. Like I said, I just wanted to get up and make people laugh, and so it was weird. And now and now you're still doing it. I'm still doing, but now I get. I don't say I'm sleepy. I get up and do the radio. I I realize that's part of your commitment that's to so crazy. You support the club. But I had no idea. I just. Oh my gosh! I didn't realize. You know, it's not an option really. You know, but I just. I had no idea. So I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. No, nah, I'm gonna sleep in. That's insane. <laughs> Did you run out of battery? Yet? No, we're okay. Oh wow! No, we're about done. Your battery must like me. No, this is. Uh, they they use, they do pretty well. Oh, thank pretty, you. Battery. Harlan's gonna buy one of these Zoom H4s. I hope it's it what runs we're out on. just when I'm about to tell you the meaning of life. Can you make that the last quick when, yes. when your battery goes to the red? Yes. I'm going to I hope it runs out cuz uh, I do have the answer. All right, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um before before, you know, before we get out of here, tell people you have a hilarious podcast. Oh yes, thank you. That uh it's it's a little bananas. Yeah, it's berserk. Yeah, uh, tell people about that, Harland Highway. It's called the Harland Highway, and it's uh, Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, you can get it at my website, harlandwilliams.com, or at iTunes. And yep. it, it's basically, it's just a half hour of or 45 minutes of me making up characters, talking about <laughs> stupid stories, yeah. relaying some of my experiences from... You know, getting charged by a, a 500-pound silverback gorilla on a volcano in Africa sure. to canoeing down a river in northern Ontario to climbing the the faces of the statues at Easter Island. I mean, I just talk about anything that's happened in my life. And uh, so it, it's, you know, it's just funny. It's humorous. It's yeah. silly. I do a lot of goofy characters. Yeah. And uh, it's very kind of uh, theater of the mind Sure, yeah, yeah. So it's not, it's not quite like typical, you know, like 
kind of news or it's interviews. Not like this. It's just weird. <laughs> it's just weird. Yeah, you know? that's it, fine. It's just odd. No, so. I think it's a fun thing because it. I think it really kind of gets people to know your humor and your goofiness. Yeah, and yeah, kind of like what, what people to expect. Yeah, that's you know, because I, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying this because you take me on the road or you're my friend, but like. You're one of the few people that you never know what you're going to get on stage. <laughs> and I and I always tell you, I maybe I'm telling I always tell Harlan when you get off stage, I'm like, I like this one thing you said. Right, yeah, that I right. I've, I've never heard you say. That's right. And it's some phrase or you called somebody something. Right. And that's always fun and I think people love to see something different all the time. Well, I know? think this week you told me I was on stage and I don't know why I did it, but I walked out to the crowd. I said, "Oh, it's great to be here in Houston. <laughs> what a great crowd. Very sexual. Great. Such great sexual. Sexual energy, energy here in oh, Houston. Just one, and I kept saying it. You when said I got it like up, every four minutes. Yeah, and when I got off stage, that was the thing you kind of picked off on. Oh, there's me. been You're things, I mean, where you're like, you'll call, I think you called some dude, you kept calling him, uh, um, oh, you called him like, it was like, the peanut brittle bandit or something like that. <laughs> I like that. Something I'll do it, it tonight. I'll it do it like, tonight. Oh, you little peanut brittle bandit. Yeah, that sounds that about right. It doesn't even make any sense. Sounds about right. Not I much of it does. Not no, much no, of no. it does. I think the world makes too much sense, and so I try to I try to counterbalance that by making no sense. I I love that. I do love it. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and everyone can follow you on Twitter at Harlan Williams. Twitter at Harlan Williams. Your, My, your tweets are about as goofy as Peanut Brittle Peanut Brittle Bandit. Yeah, I did one this morning. I said <laughs> I woke up this morning and went to Starbucks and really needed to wake up, so I. I poured a scolding hot coffee in my eyes. Thank you, caffeine. Mm. So I just, I, you know, I, I just tweet weird things. Yeah. And uh, it's fun. you can also follow my, check out my, um, my uh, webpage, harlanwilliams.com. Yeah. And uh, all my stand up comedy schedule is on there. You can find out what city I'm going to be in. I'm coming to Pittsburgh soon, which is your hometown. Yes, it is. And, uh, and I may yeah. not be there. You won't be there, I but no I will. Idea. I'm going to stay with your family. Oh, <laughs> uh, And, uh, yeah, the podcast, The Harlan Highway, man. Well, uh, check out Harlan. Dude, I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. And, uh, it's a pleasure. But before we get out of here, yes, um, you need to tell us the meaning of life. Okay, you ready? Yes. Whenever you go down to the farm... <laughs>